Every week we go to the scriptures because we believe that it's there that the person and work of Jesus Christ are most clearly revealed. Our sermon this week will will be from Ruth chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord, beginning in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband." Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this, your word. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would weave the truth of your story of redemption, the gospel, into our hearts more deeply. That as a result of our time here this morning, we would go away changed by your ministry to us. Thank you for Drew, your servant. I pray that you would bless his lips as he delivers the gospel to us in word, based on your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Peace be with you. Okay. Peace be with you. I'm going to do that again. Peace be with you. Got it. Uh, my name is Drew. I used to be one of the pastors here at Sojourn Heights. Um, over the past few months, my family has moved northward um, to organize a core team of people to plant Sojourn Oak Forest. All right. Uh, one thing I love about Sojourn is that we have always been a church planting church. From the very beginning, we have had multiplication at the very heart and the very center of our vision and our strategy. Um, but multiplication is, is bittersweet. Um, it can be painful at times. And so on behalf of Sojourn Oak Forest, I wanted to say to you, Sojourn Heights, just thank you. Thank you for your faith and your generosity in sending. Um, I pray we never stop growing. I pray this congregation never stops growing, and I pray we never stop sending. Okay? Well, the book of Ruth is fascinating. There is, there is so much beauty and wisdom and meaning packed into these four short chapters. And it's tempting to read Ruth as a minor standalone story about some faithful individuals, but I think that's a misreading. Actually, this story unfolds some of the great themes of redemptive history. It redeems the broken past and gives new expression to God's faithfulness and character. The book of Ruth reminds us that despite whatever darkness surrounds us, God is still at work in, in the hidden details and the small acts of faithfulness. The purposes of God are progressing. Redemption is continuing to come. The kingdom is coming. But before we jump into Ruth chapter 1, we, we need to understand a couple bits of background information. All right, we need to understand one key concept, and we need to remember one key story. The key concept is the custom of leveret marriage. According to the leveret law, if a married man died before having children, his oldest surviving brother was expected to marry his widow and produce an heir. What was the purpose of such a custom? Well, in ancient societies, the situation of a childless widow was especially precarious. Childless widows were especially vulnerable because they had no one to protect them or to provide for them. But the Leveret Law guaranteed relational and material stability for these childless widows. And for this reason, the surviving brother was referred to as the kinsman redeemer. Okay, kinsman redeemer. Remember that because you'll hear it a lot for the next few weeks. Now, the key story that we need to keep in mind comes from Genesis chapter 38. Judah was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And Judah's eldest son, Ur, married a Gentile, a non-Jewish woman named Tamar. But Ur died before Tamar had any children. And so the Leveret Law applied here. But despite the Leveret Law, Judah and his remaining sons refused to give Tamar a child. They each refused to fulfill that role of kinsman-redeemer. And this meant that Tamar was left as a widow. She was abandoned by the very men charged with her protection and provision. And so, Tamar took matters into her own hands. 
One night after Judah had been drinking, Tamar tricked him into giving her a child. And believe it or not, Judah eventually acknowledges that Tamar had a right to do so. Nevertheless, at this point in the story, Judah and the tribe of Judah, they're buried in shame. Judah had been promised that the future king would come from his line. But according to the law, on account of Judah's sin, no king could come from Judah's line for ten more generations. Ten generations. Okay, so why is this essential background information for the book of Ruth? Well, because the book of Ruth picks up on this narrative and transforms it. Like Tamar, Ruth is a Gentile woman, a non-Jewish woman. Like Tamar, Ruth is a widow, and she is seeking a faithful member of her husband's family to provide and to protect for her. As we will see in the coming weeks, Ruth and Boaz redeem the broken line of Judah. They redeem the broken line of Judah. This is clearly demonstrated in the final, final four verses of the book of Ruth. It's a genealogy. So from the son of Tamar to King David, the author of Ruth invites us to count ten generations. In other words, the book of Ruth tells us that the king of Israel is coming, and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So, with that background in mind, we can turn to Ruth chapter 1. And the first thing we learn in verse 1 is that this story takes place in the days when the judges ruled the nation of Israel. So, the time of the judges was a time of anarchy and chronic disobedience amongst the people of Israel. Uh, there's, a, there's a familiar refrain in the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And there's a great deal of irony here because the first character we're introduced to in the book of Ruth is named Elimelech, which means God is king. His name means God is king, and yet Elimelech turns his back on God, on God's people, on God's land of promise. We, we modern people probably don't think there's much wrong with leaving a place especially to find work, right? Moving your family somewhere else to find work. But you have to remember that for Elimelech, the presence of God, the blessing, the, the blessing and the promise of the covenant were inextricably tied to the land. They were inextricably tied to the land. So Elimelech is abandoning the promises of God. To leave the land of Israel for Gentile territory was an act of apostasy. And of course, it does not go well for Elimelech. His two sons take Moabite wives, but by verse 5, all the men are dead. And so we are left with three childless widows in need of a kinsman redeemer, someone who will heed the leveret law, someone who will protect and provide. And once again, these names are significant. The name Naomi means pleasantness. Her life has become anything but pleasant. That's why she, she wants to be called Mara, bitterness. The name Orpah means nape or, or back of the neck. Orpah will eventually turn her back on Naomi. 
But the name Ruth, however, means friend. Ruth, unlike Orpah, faithfully binds herself to Naomi for better or for worse. According to verse 14, Ruth clings to Naomi. And this word cling is the same word used in Genesis 2.24 when Adam and Eve are said to hold fast to one another. So this is a very serious thing. Ruth is leaving her father and mother. Ruth is leaving her homeland. And she's establishing a sort of covenant with Naomi. Listen to how Ruth puts it in verses 16 and 17. She says, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And so again, this was, this was not a casual commitment. Ruth has united herself to Naomi, and throughout the rest of this book, anything that happens to one of them is happening to both of them. That's very important to see and to remember if we're going to see all of the foreshadows of the gospel in this story. As we will see in the coming weeks, Ruth and Naomi are representative of the church, the bride of Christ, Jew and Gentile united as one. Ruth is a Gentile convert, and she is demonstrating the sort of loyalty that God's people ought to pledge to God's people. This is what it means to join the capital C church. It's a body and soul, till, till death do us part type commitment. Ruth effectively says, I would rather face famine and childlessness and death with Naomi and her God than have food and children and long life in a land of idolatry. Truly, Ruth's commitment here is it's a model for us. We put to death the sins of our past. We, we turn away from idolatry. We face the future with faith. Whether, whether curse or blessing, whether death or new birth, whether famine or feasting, we cling, we cling to our Redeemer by clinging to his bride, just like Ruth. But it's not just Ruth. Naomi is also an example for us. But first, let me say this. Naomi's bitterness is not random. This is not an arbitrary response on her part. Naomi has experienced very real pain and loss. Her husband is gone. Her sons are gone. She is estranged from her homeland. And she was famished. And in the midst of all that distress, her faith is weak. Her faith is weak, and, and she makes mistakes. Nevertheless, Naomi demonstrates what we ought to do when life brings us bitterness. We return to the place where the Redeemer dwells. We return to the place where the Redeemer dwells. Return to the church. You unite yourself to the body of Christ and immerse yourself in community. Entrust yourself to brothers and sisters. 
So it's here by the power of the Holy Spirit that you find hope and healing. So Naomi returns to Bethlehem, to the place where her Redeemer dwells. And notice in verse 22, Ruth is also said to be returning to Bethlehem. How can that be? Ruth has never lived in Bethlehem. She's from the country of Moab. So how can Ruth return to a place where she's never been? Again, we must remember that Ruth has united herself to Naomi. Ruth has converted. She's been grafted into the nation of Israel. Ruth was not born a Jew, but she has become a Jew by faith. The history of Israel is now Ruth's history. Naomi's family is now Ruth's family. Naomi's homeland is now Ruth's homeland. That is how verse 22 can say that Ruth is returning to Bethlehem. Both Naomi and Ruth are doing what faithful people do when life brings us bitterness. We return to the place where the Redeemer dwells. So to summarize chapter 1, Naomi and Ruth are facing three basic needs. They need food, they need a home, and they need a future. And over the course of the next three chapters, God is going to meet those needs by His grace. But if you think about it, these, these needs are not unique to Naomi and Ruth. These needs are the basic needs of a world in need of redemption. Apart from Jesus, who is our kinsman redeemer, we are hungry and impoverished. Apart from Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, we are without a home. And apart from Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, we we have no future. But Jesus meets us in that need. He feeds us bread and wine. Jesus restores us to the household of God. Jesus gives us a a glorious future, a glorious inheritance. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 54. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. The reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off. With everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. In the midst of our pain and and distress and grief, in the midst of loss and loneliness, Jesus comes to us. Jesus redeems us. He calls us. He has compassion on us. He takes upon himself the full cost of restoring us. And he makes us fruitful. And he causes us to sing with joy. 
Jesus gives us what we need and, and so much more. So chapter one begins with a famine and it ends with a harvest. This is foreshadowing of what's to come. This is the light at the end of the tunnel. Over the next few weeks, we will see the redeeming love of God in action. But for now, get this, for now, we have come to Bethlehem where a young woman with nowhere to lay her head is expectantly awaiting the advent of her Redeemer. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you we thank you so much for the assurance that even when days are dark, even when times are difficult, you are protecting us. You are providing for us. You are working in the hidden details and the small acts of faithfulness. You are good to us. Jesus, you are our kinsman, redeemer. Thank you for paying that great price. The great price to redeem us and to restore us into right relationship with the household of God. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would make us one as Naomi and Ruth are one. In the midst of our pain and our distress, teach us to return to the place where the Redeemer dwells. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.